Today we're going to do something a little different. Um, we are going to have what we call Sierra Leone Sunday because this was a, our largest trip of people going from our church to Sierra Leone last month. We want to share with you some of those stories. While we do this, we also want it to fit into what we are doing. We've been in a series entitled, I Want to Know Christ. I want to know Christ. We are preparing ourselves some, for some big dates coming up at the end of this month. And so a couple of things I want to accomplish today. One, I want you to hear about the ministry that we get to be a part of in a little country called Sierra Leone in West Africa. I want you to hear about that today. When we're done here, I want you to know more about that than you knew coming in here today. But even more than that, what I want to do today is I want to magnify the goodness of Jesus Christ. That whether you're visiting and you, maybe you don't know anything about our work in this little country in Africa, I want you most of all to understand and see that Jesus is good. I want you to see that Jesus is producing his life in all of us. And I would hope that you would leave today saying, I know Christ better. Or I want to know Christ better. I would want that to happen today, that Jesus would be magnified in our time together. I do hope that you have your Bible with you today. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, page 896, if you're using this Bible in front of you. I want to share with you a few words that Jesus spoke as we continue to consider him. Because what we are doing in this idea of wanting to know Christ, we are preparing ourselves for a couple dates. One would be March 25th. It's a Friday night. We're going to gather in this room, turn off all the lights, we're going to light some candles, and we're going to remember that on a Friday night, Jesus was crucified. We're going to remember that it was our sins that sent Jesus, the sinless Son of God, to the cross. And so we're going to get ready for that night. We want to know this Jesus. We will leave there that Friday night a little sad, a little heart torn because of what Jesus went through for us. Then we're going to get together on the 27th. That's going to be a glorious day. We're going to have a reception in the gym. We call that day Resurrection Sunday. It's a big day for us in the life of the church. Because what it's, it's a symbol of the fact that Jesus is alive. Today he's alive. It's not just that one day a year he's alive, but he's alive every day of the year. He's preparing a place for us. He's praying for us. He's alive as we speak today. And we're going to have a great time celebrating that at the end of the month. And so what we want to do is just get in the story of knowing him so that we can celebrate his resurrection from the dead. A key passage has been found in Philippians chapter 3, and I hope that you're memorizing it, that you're thinking through it, you're reading it over and over. I'm going to ask that we read it together, so would you read it passionately with me, please? Ready? Begin. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, and to share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. The Apostle Paul, he writes this, and he certainly knew Jesus, but he says, I want to know him in greater ways. I want to know him in greater ways. Even in my suffering, I want to consider how he suffered. And one day, just as he was raised to life, I know that I will be raised to life. And Paul is saying, I want to put myself in this story, and I want that for all of us as well. 
Well, today as we uh, consider Jesus, I also want us to consider this trip that we took to Sierra Leone. So I'm going to ask the team that went with me to have these beautiful red shirts on that we received as gifts to come up here on this stage and share this stage with me today. We've got Chris Spivey, we've got Adam Hale, Peyton Hannell, Susan Ellingson, and Ray Reeves. Would you give them a nice warm welcome up here today? The brave souls who went to Sierra Leone. Ray, that was his second trip, and Adam's second trip for Peyton, Susan, and Chris. This was their first trip, and uh, we're going to share some of those stories with you today, share a few pictures. Let me just tell you a little bit about how we got to that country initially. 2008, we as a church heard about a problem that's going on throughout the world, and that is the lack of clean water, something we just take for granted. I mean, it makes news when Flint, Michigan has some problems with clean water, but there are places throughout the world that just never have that, and people die from this. In Sierra Leone, the average age uh, life expectancy is 47 years old, right around there. A lot of that is you get sick, you just, you're going to die from these things. And so that broke our heart and we said, could we be a part of this? And we heard just for a few hundred dollars and a few thousand dollars that you could bring clean water to certain villages. And so we said, we'll start doing this. We've put in a few water wells in this country over there. And, and then out of that, I went to see some of this and it turned into, well, there are churches growing. Uh, developing there. And so we said, we'll sponsor a church and pay a pastor's salary. And we did this, and we uh, all of a sudden our church becomes a school as well. And then it, I got asked this last year, would you come and speak to pastors? There's a seminary where pastors are just learning how to become better at their calling. And so that's uh, one of the reasons I went this year. Ray and I went. We left five days before the rest of this team And uh, we went and shared with these pastors. And I shared some of this last week. Uh, We did this. We stayed, Ray and I, for five nights before the rest of the team got there. We stayed in this compound with uh, some Americans and some Sierra Leoneans. and, And they had this gated compound. And the very first night we got there, it was a Saturday night. As we drive into this compound, all of a sudden, what I saw reminded me of the words that I would be sharing with you today, uh, words that Jesus said. And I'd like you to look at that with me, if you would, in John chapter 10. Because Jesus' words, though I'd read them before, it's just, it, it made sense to me in a greater way that first night we were in Sierra Leone. John chapter 10, I want to look at verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the gate, or some of your Bibles would say the door, of the sheep. And all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Verse 9, I am the door. I am the gate, he said. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Catch this verse. There's a thief, and the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life. And have it abundantly is what Jesus said. And then what we looked at last week, he said, I am the good shepherd. Let's consider some of these words that we've looked at the last few weeks. Pastor Mike spoke on this. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. There's this nourishment that I give that no one else can give you. There is something I can give to your soul that food just cannot quench. Jesus went on to say, I'm the light of the world. 
I, I open the eyes of the spiritually darkened heart for all of you. I'm the answer. Then he says this, I am the gate or the door. I am the gate. I'm the way in. And this has to do with the fact where he says, I am the good shepherd. It's tied closely with this because he's talking about himself being a gate or a door. He says then that there's this enemy, but that he is the good shepherd. Now, I thought of this passage because as we got to Sierra Leone that first night, they bring us through the country. They drive us around on a couple-hour drive, and that was scary in and of itself. But we get to this gate. And they honk the horn late at night, and a gate opens up to us. Here's a picture of this gate. There are these high walls, barbed wire on the top of them, and these massive, this massive gate to get in. The idea here is that there is something inside they want to protect. It wasn't just us. There happens to be a, a very good water source that waters uh, or provides water for hundreds of people in the nearby area. And so they want to protect this. And so they honk the horn, and this massive gate opens up for us. A few days later, the rest of the team arrived. We stayed at, they got to stay at a cushy hotel with air conditioning. Here's a picture of Chris and Peyton. And when we get to that hotel, there's another massive gate. And the idea with the gate is we want to protect what is inside. And so they, they were glad when they saw, okay, good, it's going to get closed. We will be protected. But when Jesus says this, he says, I came for the protection of the sheep. I came for the protection of the sheep, the sheep's protection, because there is a mortal enemy. Jesus says this, I came for the sheep's protection because there's a mortal enemy. And I am this gate, this massive gate, because I, I came for the sheep's protection. And so we stayed at a compound and we didn't worry about what was around us. Even though it's a, a broken country, we weren't worried because of this gate. When we stayed at the hotel, we, we had this protection around us. And the idea is that Jesus says, not only do I want to protect you, but I want to give you abundant life. I want you to be able to go in and out, and I want to give you this amazing life. And as you start hearing this morning about some of the stories in Sierra Leone, I want you to know that this abundant life is more than clean water. So you're going to think of your life and you're going to compare it to some of the pictures you see and you're going to think, I have abundant life because I have clean water and they don't. Or you're going to look at your life and say, you know what, I, I have at least a political system that's somewhat under control. Theirs isn't. Yeah, somewhat under control. You're going to hear this and say, you know what, I have some sanitation in my city. I mean, people pick up my garbage. They don't do that here. And you're going to think for a bit that this is abundant life. But Jesus came for far greater reasons than to give clean water and to have a political system that's under control and to have sanitation. You see, Jesus said, I came to give you life, to protect you from an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy what's in your heart. And as you hear about these people in Sierra Leone, you're going to hear that they are full of the abundant life of Jesus. They may not get to drink the best water. They may not have the political system that they would want. They may not have that sanitation system that they would want. But they have a deep, abundant life from Jesus. It's a life of hope. It's a life of joy. It's a life of love. And I'm going to have my friends share some of that with you. And what I'd like you to do as you hear these stories is to consider your own life. Certainly you are blessed with material possessions. But I want you to think about your heart. I want you to think about the abundant life that Jesus offers.
says, I came to protect you from an enemy. And I came to give you life abundantly. And it has more to do with what the clothes that you wear in your bank account. It's a deep spiritual life with hope and joy and love. And you're going to hear these Sierra Leoneans. They have this abundant life. I'm going to have Chris give us, start us off and give us an update of the church. If you're taking notes today, and I hope that you would... Uh, we're going to ask you to pray for some of these things, and, and Susan's going to share about some ministry updates, and Ray's going to share about the school updates and things like that. But well, just as you hear this, let your heart break today, and write down some things up by how you can be praying for our ministry in Sierra Leone. Chris, tell us about the church, please. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it might be hard to get through some of these things, because as, as Pastor Scott's talking, they, they, they're just starting to play over and over again in our head, our trip and stuff, and uh, people ask, you know, would you go back, and say, in, in a heartbeat? Uh, not because the, the country's the best, but because the people are far richer than us in the ways that really matter. And uh, so I want to take an opportunity to share a little bit about that with you. Um, I wrote some of it down, too, because I just wanted to remember some of the stuff. But as Pastor Scott mentioned, uh, in 2011, um, a national uh, director and Pastor Ben Margay approached Pastor Patrick Coker and said, hey, we've got a church that wants to start a church in, in Moyamba. Uh, would you be the pastor? And he, he agreed to it. And he relocated his family from Freetown to move there. And when they started, they started in this little house, this little house church, about 20 people attended. And um, it was then in November 2011 that Scott got to go down there for the first time. And they had their first uh, revival service outside on this little lot of land in the middle of night, and um, it was uh, that was kind of where we started. But uh, and they say this you're going to hear this phrase a lot by the grace of God because they really live by the grace of God. And so, by the grace of God, with the help of Advent Conspiracy here and missions, we actually we built them a church building uh, for them to gather in, and that's when they started. This little house church became. Willamette Community Church Moyamba. And they call it Willamette. 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 Yeah. We're not um, going to tell them any differently. But. No, no, but they, but they were given the opportunity. Don't you want to change it to something? You hear? Nope, nope. We'll have Willamette. Which is funny, too, because Pastor Scott has a different name over there. Oh, here he's Scott Miller. Over there he's Scott Milan. How did that happen? I don't know. They put it on a, a banner and it stuck. I'll have that on my tombstone. Scott, Scott Milan, yeah, a.k.a. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, then the following year, in that September, that we started our school uh, there. And they met for the first time. And we'll talk a little bit about this later, about some of the hardships that they went through. Um, but uh, through all these hardships that they've gone through, uh, now the church of Willamette Community Church has over 100 members there in their little town. And yeah, let's clap for the Lord. That's, that's because of God's faithfulness and our faithfulness here giving toward that. And the first night we got there was on Saturday night. We had an opportunity to go and be a part of one of their baptism services. And it was, it was extremely beautiful. It was great. Um, we actually have, we have a video and we want to show you this because, uh, the, when you talk about abundant life, they have it in, in oodles and oodles and oodles of, of it because uh, when they come out, out of the water, the first thing they yell is, hallelujah, and it's a, it's a blessing to be part of it. Let's show that. Hi, 
blessing to be a part of that with them there and uh, after everyone went down they sang a worship song right after which was a you didn't have to go in the water I didn't have to go in the water <laughs> Scott did so we were actually we were all praying for him because did you get a cut this time too no no but, but there's yeah. there's unfriendly things in there no but, yeah that's... <laughs> um, uh, the next day we actually got a chance to go to a church service there and it was a blessing we'll show uh, this is a picture of us with the church and um, what was what was funny about it is that we were told that church started at 10:30. We show up at 10:40, and then it started at 11:35, and then it didn't end until 2:30. Yeah. So there's a chance that they might still be meeting right now over <laughs> there. <laughs> um, seven o'clock. <laughs> seven at o'clock night. at night. It was the thing you came and did that day, but it was a blessing. I had an opportunity uh, to lead a couple uh, a couple songs there uh, with the church and. One of the things that hit me the hardest was uh, we were sitting there, we were singing Amazing Grace like we did this morning. And my mind drifted to the guy who wrote it, John Newton, who was actually a slave trader when he wrote it. And Sierra Leone was part of England's slave trade. And to think that we're here several um, decades later singing that was just a, an amazing thought of God's grace and, and provision. And, um, we also have, I wanted to show you a couple of photos here of the people that are a key in their church. So we have Pastor Patrick Coker, uh, who's over there on the left. Uh, and right down below is uh, Samuel. He is his associate pastor. So if you're taking notes, please write these names down. And that uh, lady right next to me, that's their worship leader, Lucy. My two favorite worship directors right there, Lucy and Chris. Both Willamette. Willamette. Willamette, Willamette. worship directors. Yeah. Um, but they, they need your prayers. They, they are who run that church over there. Um, and I wanted to share something, too, that I wrote um, because this, is, this makes it a little bit more close to home. Um, after meeting that Sunday, uh, singing and worshiping, I wrote, I wrote these words down because... Uh, well, it just, it just hit me that hard. But I wrote that I, I tend to think that their hearts are more into worship than mine. They rely on God more because they have less. We have been in Moyamba two days, and two people from the church have suffered death in the family. And somehow the statement, that's Africa, became more real and unsatisfying. Why should that be the way it is? They still sing the 
God is good. After all this Ebola and death, water, lack of food is such a reality. I think that they will appreciate heaven more than I. Because the word of God is their bread and they indeed live by the grace of God. They, they have an abundant life that we, we had an opportunity to be a part of for a short while. It was such a blessing. And I, I want to show you a little video of, there, there are two songs that we really gravitated towards. One is called Tell Him Tanky, and this is their 10,000 Reasons. They sing it everywhere. Uh, and the other one is Ben Low, Humble Yourself Before the Lord. And uh, I just wanted to show you a little bit of what we experienced with their abundant life. Kids are getting sick of me singing that tanky song at home, but uh, in that tail on tanky, anyway, beautiful stuff. I, and that just comes from a heart of what do they have? They have Jesus. They have Jesus. Do they have the stuff we have? No, but they have Jesus. They have Jesus. Sunday at church, uh, Susan got to share a little of her story. Peyton shared a little bit of his story, and I'm going to ask Susan right now to give a ministry update of what we got to experience outside of Sunday. Okay, so I had the opportunity to talk to a lot of the women there. We gathered at Pastor Patrick's house onto um, their porch. So there was about 70 to 20 um, of us all on like a stage about as big as the stage here. Um, all crowded together. It was a million degrees, but it was such a blessing. Um, they all wanted to know about me and what the white woman had to say, but I wanted to know about them. Um, so they were really quiet and reserved at first, and I shared a little bit about my story and some of the things I had been through, and it kind of, I think, led into them being willing to share. So they shared, um, and as they shared, they shared more, and they shared more, and I'm not sure any of those women really have shared their stories, and I think it was good for them, too. Um, out of all the women, um, they've, all, um, they've all been raped at some point in their life, all of them. They all have children. Not all of them are still living, um, and they're all having a hard time making it, um, but they, 
love God and they trust him. And um, as I shared a little bit of the word with them and again about my story, um, I asked them what was the one thing that they wanted me to take back with me to tell um, the American women. And um, they said the one thing that they wanted was just to know that someone was thinking of them, that um, someone might actually pray for them. Um, They just, that's all they wanted, just to know that someone in America was thinking of them. And so um, I took pictures. They all love pictures. They're called snappies, I think, snaps, and they all love them. So I took pictures of every single one of them and got their names and their stories, and um, I have them. So um, if anybody is interested in praying for any of them, they would be so honored. So... um, that was um, the time with the women. It was just amazing. We had um, the next day, we did that as well. We got together, and it was really the best Bible studies I've ever had. Um, the kiddos, um, yeah, they say the kiddos will change your life. Um, yeah, they, they did. They're so um, joyous, and they have nothing, and they're just so, they live the abundant life for sure. Um, they're, um, they really, just how much joy they had just really touched my heart. I was just, um, I missed them all so much. I just wanted to take them all home with me. Um, uh, let's see, a um, little bit of my personal part, um, the, my struggle, um, which is kind of humbling to talk about. You know, you always say, okay, I'm going to go to Africa. I'm going to be stretched and whatnot. Um, I had no idea until I got there. I was willing, you know, to go without makeup and all the little girly things, fine. Um, but when I got there, my very first night, I, I really um, thought I was going to lose it. I really did. I um, didn't share with any of these gentlemen. Um, they all seemed like they were fine, so I wasn't going to share. But um, I remember sitting in my room just thinking, um, I don't know if I can do this. One, it's hard to see all the um, what they don't have. But it was honestly really hard for me to not have my comforts. Um, it was blazing hot. I have never sweat that much in my life, um, ever. Um, and um, there's no running water. There's no electricity. There's um, a bathroom was something I was not ready for. Um, <laughs> the food was horrible. I'm a really picky eater, and I didn't like any of the food. And it was extremely spicy. And Peyton can talk to that. She's going to be on our advertising committee for the next trip. <laughs> So I was like, you know, and I couldn't call anybody to comfort me. I couldn't, I was so alone. I think for the first time in my life, I really knew what alone felt like. I thought I had felt it before, but I didn't. Um, And I, uh, my daughter had sent some letters um, with me. And one of the letters had talked about God's with you. He'll never leave you. You just need to trust uh, when you're scared. And that's what I did. I just decided, made a decision, even though I didn't feel like it, that I would just trust and um, I felt like Peter on the water when God asked him to trust. And um, I stepped out there, and I nothing felt comfortable, nothing felt familiar. Um, and I trusted. Um, and by the end of the trip, I'm, I know I was dancing on the water. I, I'd kind of forgotten about all the discomforts. And I cannot wait to go back. I miss it so bad every day. It's, um, I left a big piece of my heart there. You will be on the promotion team for next year. <laughs> because Susan found, as we do, 
you find Jesus there when you have nothing. And, and I think sometimes we just lose that here, don't we? I mean, we have so much here that we don't need Jesus or, or we would lose track of him. But when you're in a place like that, uh, when you're in a place of brokenness, um, that's all we have to hold on to, Jesus. And so thank you for sharing that, Susan. I appreciate your willingness to share that. Uh, Ray, tell us a little bit about the school. This has been one of the big parts of our ministry there. Okay. Two years ago, I got to go, and it was the first year of the Christian school there. <clears throat> 76 kids, and we met, I don't know, five or six teachers and got to spend time with them and go to their class and talk with them and stuff. And, well, some of the, oh, it's JSS is junior secondary school, one, two, and three. And I figure it's like fifth grade through eighth grade. But that doesn't mean how old they are because some of the bigger kids were in the older one and or younger one. But <clears throat> spent time with them and sat through some of their classes and got to know them a bit. Well, somebody rang a bell and, oh, what's that? Oh, it's time for lunch. And some of them got here and there walking around and some of them just stayed with me talking and visiting and all. And finally I said, are you guys going to go eat? And they said, we don't have lunch. I said, oh, man, that's just their life. They don't have lunch. They don't eat. And they, they don't have a well there, so about a quarter of a mile away maybe is the well. And even the day we were there, it was dry, so they didn't have water either. But I guess their life, they just figure, hey, my treasure's not here on earth. Their treasure's laid up in heaven, and they, if they don't know any different, it's not like they complained at all, because like, no doors on the outhouse, and no water, and no food, and but they didn't complain. They just liked to have us there and visit. And we got to only stay there one day two years ago and told them goodbye. And, well, Patrick's favorite thing is said, by the grace of God. So I said, I really want to see you guys again. Oh, yeah, yeah, by the grace of God. So this year I got to go again. And I was representative kind of Albany Christian School. And I was a little more prepared to know, hey, I can take them some teaching books and posters for the walls and any kind of teaching aid I could find because they don't have anything. That was cool. Oh, I know. I forgot to tell you. <clears throat> it was a month after we got home then. We heard, oh, this tree had fallen and smashed their building. So, wow, just that's what they live like. They took the tin off the roof and built a little shed. But I know part of their time they were just outside under a tree in their uniforms uh, trying to have school. <clears throat> And, well, two years ago, too, at our auction, somebody figured, hey, looky, for 35 bucks a year, we could feed a kid lunch at that school. So, it was, oh, wow, that's cool. A lot of people got involved in that. that how could we say no? That, uh, you know, we spend that much on our one lunch. But <clears throat> So, I got to go back, and, okay, we're walking to the school the first day and we have to go by Patrick's house and there, this was cool, it was a giant pot on a, on a fire there and they were cooking rice for him. So, oh, goody, that, that's part of what our, we help them do there then. And yeah, we got to see him eat and I got to reconnect with some of the teachers and see the kids and all that was good again that they're just so glad to see us. But uh, they did a performance for us, singing and doing verses and welcoming us. And I got to uh, be 
well, the go-between of our Albany Christian School teachers and their teachers, and they were so excited about that just to say, wow, somebody wants to be a partner with me, can pray with me and all. So I, oh, I, I got their information, and I took their pictures so that I could show my teachers here, too, to say, hey, there's the guy, and this is his little story, and here's what he wants you to pray about, and and at the end, yeah, I almost didn't get all the teachers. One of the last teachers said, hey, you guys got to go, and I haven't gotten to talk to you yet. They were really, really excited about all that. So, mm. so I was glad I got to do that. And uh, That's me and Claudius. He was there two years ago. Good guy. So he's my partner. <clears throat> and again, tell him goodbye. And by the grace of God, I hope I can see you guys again. And that, yeah, We got great. one picture of a student working in the classroom. This is... A little bit what they're doing. Yeah, that's one of the Fatmadas. There's, like I said, you say Fatmada and 15 girls all look. That's the name of a lady, Fatmada. Yes. We we didn't call her Fatmada. That that was her name. That's really her name, yes. (laughs) I guess there's 15 different spellings for Fatmada too, but anyhow. Hey, you know what? As you're mentioning praying for the teachers and arts school teachers, praying for their teachers, I forgot to mention uh, when Susan's meeting with these ladies, can we go back to that, Bethany? Here's two ladies I'd like you to be praying for. Uh, Teresa, this is Patrick's wife, and Maria, she's one of the leaders in the church as well and a teacher at the school. Uh, But these two ladies minister to the many women that Susan was talking about. And if the stories that Susan was sharing, uh, God put that on your heart, we want you to talk to Susan and, and collect. She will give you a picture and the stories of these ladies. But what we want to do is say, let's be praying for the leaders of the church and the leaders in the school and for these uh, women in the church. And, and uh, this is one way we can do that. Again, we look at them and go, oh, man, their life is so difficult, but... We, what they have is Jesus, maybe in a greater way than even we do at times. And so thank you for sharing that, Ray. Uh, Adam, tell us a little bit about the country because we did not get to go back uh, last year. Tell us a little bit about the situation in the country. So shortly after Scott and Ray were there um, several years ago, um, Ebola happened. Um, it was officially in the country in May of 2014, um, and it just... It devastated the country. Um, a lot of what the government has been doing is trying to educate the, the people and um, people who are visiting on how not to spread Ebola. So you see signs everywhere, um, wash your hands um, and stay safe. Um, don't forget the, the kids who, who have lost parents through Ebola. Um, so as, as soon as you get off the airport... Um, and or the airplane and are heading to the airport, you have to use some hand sanitizer. Um, you get your bags and kind of go through customs and leave the airport, and before you can even get to the town, you're asked to put more hand sanitizer on. Um, they check your, your temperature to make sure that things aren't being spread. So they have, they have all these check stations all over the place to control against the spread of Ebola. Um, Right across from our church, there's a Ebola treatment center. I'm not quite sure what they did there, whether that was checking people or quarantining families or um, what actually happened in that um, center. 
I'll say this, two years ago, that was not there. I mean, you could look out the window of the church and it was just a field. Now, I remember preaching and looking out the window and seeing this, you know, basically a death camp right outside the window. And so it's this grave reminder for oh, and Even before you get to Moyamba, there's a, a huge uh, treatment center. It, it makes the one next to our church look like a, just a teeny little tent. Um, there's tents upon tents um, of, a, of a constant reminder that Ebola was there. But by the grace of God, they're using the tragedy to turn that um, facility into a hospital to where they can um, prevent diseases, um, hopefully raise the, the age to 50 mm-hmm. or 70 mm-hmm. um, instead of um, knowing that if you get sick, there's a good chance that you're not going to make it. The, the thing about this country and the people that is great, though it was um, war-torn through civil war, um, though Ebola um, just decimated um, families, um, you, you talk to, to people and they either know somebody that's been affected by Ebola or they have a family member that's passed away or a, a parent or a sibling that died in the war. They're the happiest people that you can find. Um, everyone's smiling. Everyone is, is excited of what God's doing in, in their country, in their heart. Um, they're able to, to greet their neighbor um, with smiles and, and sharing the love of God. Um, and they, they really do have the abundant life that God gives. Good. Thanks, Adam. Thank you very much. Peyton, I'm going to have you share a little bit of just some of the effects that this trip, this first time for you. You've gone to Mexico with us a few times, but uh, just tell us about some of the things you experienced, buddy. Yeah, so as for the spicy food Susan mentioned, they gave us a bowl of peanut soup, and it made it was so spicy, I literally passed out afterwards. <laughs> I was sweating so much while I was eating it. It was like a waterfall, and then I passed out on the drive the rest of the way Moyambos. Yeah, so... <laughs> Um, I interacted a lot with the younger people there, and everybody there looks super young. I mean, there's guys that are 35, and they look like they're 18s. I wish I could, I wish I would be like that, so when I get older, I'd look young. Um, Stop playing video games. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One of the kids that um, uh, I met, his name is Joseph, and we were walking down to the Baptist baptisms at the river and he says to me I want to be your friend and so uh, okay yeah I'll be your friend I'm not uh, much of a person that likes to reach out and make new friends so it's it was a good experience and he gave me a matching a matching ring that he was wearing Mm. and so we talked and he tried to teach me some of his language native language and I couldn't learn it we we became friends and that was I, I felt that was a good impact for me being there and to spend time with him, to see what his life is like compared to mine. And so for as uh, these kids you see on screen, this was um, a Tuesday night community group, kind of like what you guys do. And we were at Patrick's house, and all these kids just came out of the woodwork, just 30-plus kids, ranging like 5 to 15. And a lot of them aren't wearing pants or clothes, but they're as happy as can be, and they're just running around and playing, and I, I thought it would be a good idea to teach them thumb war. So they didn't know how to play, and I eventually figured it out. But then it was 
they couldn't say Thumwar either. They would say, you know, someone or Tumway, and, and no, it's Thumwar. And that, that was really fun and fun to watch and just interacting with them. And just the, they're so trusting too. Like their parents or their guardians are trusting because they just came with me and we walked around a corner to somebody else's house and it's just like, I'm the only adult supervision within a mile. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, they're just so happy and trusting of us. It was great to sing with them. It was great to play with them and it was a good time. And besides these kids, there were also the kids at the, the school and those are a lot older. I got to sit through class with them and uh, you know, watch their teachers and talk to one of their teachers, and they want to know all about you know like America and about me. And when we're there, they sit us up on high stages like this, and they, they tell us jokes and stuff. And it's kind of like I'm a king, and these people are serving me. And I just thought that was, I mean, it made me uncomfortable mm-hmm. to feel like that. But they just wanted to be so hospitable hospitable to us and give us their best because they look up to us we're Americans and they just think that we're so great and just I I felt overrated (laughs) tell a story about uh so we saw the kids at the school eat lunch but there was one day there was not lunch yeah so as Ray mentioned there there was not lunch one day and so I thought that was you know that's kind of unfair you know they don't get food I get food every day here in America and they don't and so I just couldn't do anything about it besides feel sad. And then somebody said, hey, come back here. And we went to the back room where the kids could see us, but they closed the door. And they said, here's your lunch that you can eat. I just was covered by a sheet. And I was just like, wait, this isn't fair. Why are, why are we eating? They need food. And uh, I think I was talking quiet because nobody seemed to hear me. And Susan was pulling this cover off the food. And I saw like a plate of rice or something. And it just couldn't control myself because as soon as I saw they just started weeping bawling my eyes out it was just it wasn't just crying it was like I was making noises and stuff it was, <laughs> I had to try to get away from everybody go to there's just more back room I couldn't escape and so Chris came and hugged me and uh, everything's okay and that was that was hard right there I, up to that point I hadn't been feeling much about the trip it was and then just emotions hit me, and God really let me see what it's it like to be in this kind of a situation. Yeah. So that's my experience. You know, I was talking with Peyton, and and I think on behalf of all of us, we also want to we want to say two things. One, thank you for praying for us. I mean, so we experienced a lot of things that broke our heart. Um, we did not get sick. We were all safe, uh, and we want to say thank you for supporting us. You gave to. Advent Conspiracy Special Offering, and some of you gave extra money to help us go, and we just want to say thank you because it certainly was life-changing, and I want to ask you to continue to ask these people. They have story upon story and and more pictures to tell. I I want to just show you a few fun highlights that uh, aren't as heavy as some of the other things. Okay, so uh, driving in Sierra Leone, and this is why I say thank you for praying for us. Uh, We have some clips of just what driving is like in this third world country. Let's watch this for a bit.
long enough. <laughs> now I think we don't use our horns in America as much as we should. Oh, this is that same lady. She pulled me over the other day with that. Uh, jo Julius. She pulled me over like two or three days ago, too. Oh, man, they're just animals and motorbikes flying all around. and It's literally inches from each other. I mean... You don't leave I, your aunt. I, I don't know how there isn't. We didn't see more accidents. Um, one time, Scott asked Peyton to count how many horns there were. I think you said like 50. 50. And I think you got we, to 50 in less we than a minute. We made it half yeah. a mile. <laughs> no, and then you said one day too, was, I think God's angels are working extra hard yeah. around yeah. here. Yeah. They have to. I mean, it's crazy. But we do want to say thank you for praying. Seriously, when I go over there and then I heard all of these people were going, I thought, oh, no, I feel responsible for all these people in cars. And uh, it's very crazy over there. We started singing the Indiana Jones theme song because it was so crazy. Yeah. The roads were that bad. It was. Snakes. Yeah. Uh, but it's as crazy as it is, we want to show you a few pictures of the beach as well. Sierra Leone's on the Atlantic Ocean. Um, Eight degrees north latitude, so it's just beautiful. So when you guys got there on what night? Thursday night, and on Friday we took them straight to the beach. So they got to see the best part right away. And um, we didn't put pictures of them on the beach because we all look like beached whales. But uh, anyway, we, we just sat out there in this, I mean, warm water just three hours until... We got sunburnt. But anyway, just a fantastic time there. One more fun thing. Anybody else want to say something about any of that? Oh, Peyton does. Grab. I met a guy oh, on, yeah. the, on the rocks, and he's just out there with, like, a rebar and a rock hitting the rocks. And I, I go over there, and he's like, what are you doing? And he doesn't speak English. So this guy, Julius, comes over, and he's translating. He's like, oh, he's got a guest house right here, and he's, this is how he gets his food and he gets his guest's food. And so... He's just got all these shells from clams and mussels and stuff. He's just been nailing off the rocks. He's, just, he's out there all day and goes out there like pretty much every day to get food. It's kind of cool. So instead of going to Hawaii, you can see there's not a whole lot of people out on this beach. And uh, you just have to get a yellow fever shot before you go there. But anyway. <clears throat> and typhoid. And typhoid, okay. And malaria. And, okay, shh, stop. <laughs> um, now, on the way back, I'll t share a few other things, but on the way back, uh, we knew that we'd have a seven-hour layover in Paris, and what did you say to me when you heard about that? Let's hit up the Eiffel. Eiffel Tower. And so, you know what? We heard that if you have about seven hours or more, you can make it, and what did you guys think of that? Two and a half awesome. hours. Yeah, it was awesome. Seven and a half hours sounds like a long time, but getting through customs, immigration, customs it, security... Yeah. Getting on the right train, running two and a half hours. How, how much time did you get at the Eiffel Tower? Ten minutes. Ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> how cold was it at the Eiffel Tower? What's that? How cold was it? 32 degrees. 32 degrees at the Eiffel Tower. One degree C. One, One degree Celsius. So we're we went from 95 to 32 We're landing in the, in the, the uh, pilot comes on and he says, in, we are, because is it French? We are landing and it's going to be what? That's not a good French accent. No, it's not. One degree Celsius. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that, that was a highlight. But hey, let me finish with this and get back to why we initially have gone to Sierra Leone. And again, this is clean water. Uh, we have put in eight water wells 
um, over the time that we've started investing in this country. This is one of them that Ray and I got to visit. A gentleman uh, says it produces clean water. Now, it had dried up a bit because this is the dry season, and so it's going to have to be uh, reworked a bit. But this was the eighth one we put in. Uh, the village just came over to Ray and I, thank you, thank you, thank you for this water. It's clean, it's good. And, and uh, so we will continue to do that. But in your notes, I wrote unresolved issues. And because this is one of our unresolved issues, we don't have clean water at our church and at our school yet. And I'm not content with that. And we aren't. And Kids were taking about 30 minutes out of their school day to walk down the road, pull up water from a well. Peyton got to experience this. You can ask about him. Just pulling this up out of a deep well with a dirty bucket and then walk it back, gallons on your head, back to school. And so I would ask you to pray about this. We are told that there's a chance that next Sunday, March 13th, that they are going to be able to start drilling again at the church and school. And so this would be our hope. Um, it just it, It's hard to get a, a rig even into Moyamba, but hey, by the grace of God, this is going to happen. And so uh, we have the funds for it. We just need to make sure that they can do that. So that's one of our unresolved issues, clean water there in Moyamba. Second one is this. I want to show you a picture of some of these kids. We took pictures of these kids that we were playing with. And there are 60 of them that just live right around the church. And so we have pictures, I think, of 62 of these kids, little Melvi and Hen- Henry and Cotty and Hannah and Fatmata. There is another one. Ishmael, Patricia, and another Cotty. And there's just 60 of these beautiful little kids. And, and we're asking Patrick about them, and he calls them all orphans. And I said, why do you call them all orphans? And so he sat down, and Susan and I, we listened to the story, and he's rattling off the story of these 60 kids, and they live with an aunt, and they live with a grandma, and they live with us sometimes, and they live with the lady down the street, and some of them live with a parent. Out of 62, how many of them are living with the biological mom and dad? About three. About three. One's the pastor, and I think two's the associate pastors. Other than that, they don't live with biological mom and dad. And it's just 95% of them don't. And so anyway, so what do you do with these kids? Um, And so right away, it's easy. Let's just throw money at it, right? And I was talking to Patrick about this, and there's just not an infrastructure where if we send hundreds of dollars over there, it's just too great of a temptation. We heard of another church that the pastor took in all the money for these other kids, and he just up and left the area with all of this money. It's too great of a temptation to be you giving me, you know, an extra $20,000 to care for the kids on the street. And I, on a bad day, I might just take it and run. So we said to Patrick, that's not the answer. What is it? And he said, well, just pray. And so we are printing out all 60 of these kids' pictures with their names. And we're just going to ask you, if you want one of these kids, um, kind of like a, what a Compassion International will do, we're We send money each month through our offerings to support Patrick and the school and the work in the church. At this point, we're not going to send extra money for these kids, but Susan knows from those stories, these moms, uh, they they have no jobs and they're trying to take care of kids. And what was the number one thing that the ladies asked for? Prayer. They asked for prayer. They, They want Jesus to show up. And so if you would like one of these kids' cards, I'd just ask you to write that on your connection card today and say, get me one of these, and I will commit to pray for them. 
Um, the little Patricia girl there, I saw her and I go, oh, you look so familiar. And I looked back at my pictures and I had a picture of her from two years ago. And Henry, I had a little picture of him from two years ago. And, and it's just beautiful to see them grow up. Uh, but I, what do they need? They have Jesus, but they want more of him and they want us praying for him. And I don't know what else we're called to do. It's not just throw money at it, but commit to pray for them. And so if you would do that, we're just going to ask you to uh, join it with us in that. And, and we could take 60 kids real quickly and spread that out. And, and God will do great things it, through our prayers and, and touch these uh, beautiful kids in Moyamba, Sierra Leone. So I'm going to ask that you pray with me. And Chris and the worship team are going to close us in one last song today that we sang there. But let's pray together and commit this to the Lord. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we again thank you for this opportunity we had to go on this trip, the six of us and really this church family. You heard our prayers and you kept us safe and you used our work. And, and God, you're doing great things in this little war-torn country of Sierra Leone in this little city called Moyamba. And God, we'd ask that you do the same thing in us and through us. And I just confess for myself and for this church family, God, you know that we have so many distractions that you get lost. And we don't run to you until we're completely desperate, as some of these people already are every single day. So God, I'm asking, like the Apostle Paul said, I want to share in the sufferings of Christ. God, we want to know Jesus, and we know that it comes through suffering. And part of us hates suffering, but we also know that in those times, we draw near to you. And so help us not to run from suffering, but to embrace it because that's where you meet us. And I pray for my brothers and sisters in Moyamba, Sierra Leone, as they suffer, as they have lack of clean water, as they don't have a government that supports them, as they don't have sanitation, as they don't have the education, as they don't have clothes, whatever it might be, in their suffering, they have you. And Jesus, you said, I am this gate. I will give you life and I will give it abundantly. And though there's an enemy that is trying to steal and kill and destroy, I will give you abundant life and I thank you that you do that for them. And I pray that you help all of us to accept this life that you offer. Some, of, some people, maybe for the very first time today, say, I need this life. It's not the American life, it's the abundant life of Jesus. God, help us to draw near to you, that we would experience this life, that we would say, Jesus is mine. Help that story be our story. Grow our faith, grow our love for you. We pray all this in Jesus' name.